Hello and welcome to the Coaching Podcast, coaching for success in sport and business. Your host is Emma Doyle, the energy and high performance under pressure coach who is a world leader in unleashing human potential. Buckle up for this high octane session. Let them have it, coach. Good everybody and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. My name is Emma Doyle and I have the pleasure today of interviewing Wayne Rubin. He is the founder of Engage for Performance, that's the number four, and has had 25 plus years in senior leadership roles. He's passionate about all things to do with curiosity, engagement of leaders, and how to overcome imposter syndrome. I can't wait to chat about all those things. So much more. Thank you, Wayne, for being on the show and welcome. Thank you so much. And it's just an absolute delight to be on the show, Emma. Look forward to the conversation. All right. Beautiful. Well, we'll kick it off with the first question. I'm going to go anchovies on a pizza. You either love them or you strongly dislike them. What's your take on anchovies? Oh, my stomach is just turning at the moment. It's... <laughs> if if I if I'd said to you pick something that was going to have more of a negative reaction, I'm not sure you'd have found something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. And because you answered that way, our follow-up question is: could you share with us a coaching moment that didn't go well and what might be a lesson or two? Yeah, so man, you know, all of us that do this stuff, you know, we we dread the moments when it just all goes horribly wrong, don't we? And 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 for me, the one that stands out and and probably numbers two, three, and four behind it um, are all all characterised by essentially the same thing. And and it's where I pleasure of bringing someone their three hundred and sixty results. And you bring three hundred and sixty results to people a, a lot of, a lot of times, and both in coaching and kind of like in in leadership roles of you know. Just, done that hundreds of times, the vast majority of people have a reasonable degree of, of accuracy and anticipation of what they're going to see. A handful of people um, expect to pick up a romance and find themselves in a horror movie. You know, if I think of one in particular, there is one in particular that happened probably a couple of years ago, a really ambitious sales leader. This lady had she really believed that everyone pretty much kind of like got her vibe and loved where she was going and all of those sorts of things. And it wasn't the case. I had the sense that I was the first person who was ever actually telling her that. The nature of a 360 is it's a reality moment and, you know, you can you can try and kind of put some marshmallows and cotton wool around, but, you know, you've also got to, got to stare the reality. And, and this one and, and probably those numbers two, three, and four behind it were all situations where I'd say the person really took it very hard. And the conversation was like our ability to kind of like advance the coaching process was quite derailed for a period because they just, they were kind of like they they were brain stuck and you go, you're not actually taking in anything that I'm saying now, are you? Yeah, that's, yeah, mm. that's my moment. That is the moment. And What's the lesson for people listening to that who are in the same boat? So if you had that situation again, what's one little tip that you could provide with coaches, you know, in those situations? What's one thing they could do or one question they could ask or what are your thoughts there? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question, Emma, and certainly something that I've reflected on. I think the one thing that I have learned to do differently, and it might sound like such a simple thing, 
but I've learnt that if you're going to give someone 360 feedback before that moment, find out have they had 360 feedback before and, and if possible, how did that go? So it, you kind of have a bit of a sense of what's coming. The other thing that, that I've realised is that if the answer is no, they haven't had 360 or not for a very long time, that there does need to be some element of introduction of this is going to be a little bit tough. So typically what I would normally ask people before I give them 360 um, feedback results is what do you expect to see? And, and I kind of like that normally because people who kind of go, look, I think there's probably a certain amount of pluses. There's probably a few people who don't get me on this one. And there's a couple of people I know in the team who kind of, you know, think, you know, they don't like me because of some political thing that happened or whatever it might be. So you're kind of dealing with someone who has that level of awareness of others in terms of how they see self. When you get someone who hasn't been down that path before and you can discover that they their self-awareness is a little bit Disney princess-ish, then you know you're going to have a harder conversation. And and the, the best way to get into a harder conversation is to give people some warning that it's going to be a hard conversation. Great tips. Thank you for sharing that. And what about on the flip side, Wayne? What about a coaching moment that's gone really well and what might be a lesson or two? Yeah, it's funny, you know, I, um, first of all, let me say, I love coach. I love the process of coaching. I love, I love helping people find the best version of themselves. When I kind of think about, you know, a best coaching moment, I kind of, I actually struggle to, to say one in particular, because I kind of just get this joy. Um, so often when I'm coaching people and we're kind of, you know, we're in a, a multi-intervention process and we talk about, okay, so hey, in the last meeting we talked about this, how did that go? And someone just lights up and sort of says, you know, this is something that I've I've really kind of, it's been eating away at me or I've been struggling with it or whatever it might be. And, and you know, based on what we talked about last time, you know, I had this particular incident. And, you know, Emma, sometimes for me, I get as much joy out of that being some little thing. I had a leader recently that I was, that I was coaching external organization and she shared with me that she'd heard there was a rumor about herself that was circulating and she never exactly told me what the rumor was but you know rumors about leaders are are, are really you know happy things and she said it really been eating at her and we kind of talked about how she could deal with that how much attention she was going to put to it um the inevitability of it whatever else but also kind of some reframing and you know, in the following session, which was just a week later, she said, you know, I, I said, so, you know, how's last week been? And just this joyous face looking back in a, you know, in a virtual thing, exactly like we're doing here. And she said, you know, it might sound like simple tips, but, you know, what what was just giving me literally sleepless nights and what was literally kind of like, almost like a like a bug chewing in my brain because I just couldn't let go of it suddenly became something that I could kind of go, I set that free and just watching that kind of joyous face back. And, you know, it reminded me what we do, you know, it's a, 
it's a privilege to be able to do what we do. You know, we, we predominantly just help people do things that they kind of know how to do themselves. We just kind of help them put the rubber on the, on the road sometimes. And that's pretty special. Fantastic. I love the just reframing. There's something as simple as reframing. I ran a workshop and I spoke to somebody on the weekend. I said, well, what's sticking from the workshop? And the one takeaway, and you're never quite sure what they're going to take away, but was around something like reframing. And you also brought up how much attention and energy do we spend on things like rumours that can also be blown well out of proportion in our own minds as well. You know, where our attention goes, our energy flows, and even just the story of her over a Zoom call, you being able to see the weight lifted off her shoulders and the joyous being. Everyone in, in the workplace will be able to feel that as well, won't they? Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, sometimes sometimes we also, sometimes we just help people kind of like deal with things. And and one of the techniques that I, I like using, you know, because I think it's, you know, these are fun things to explore, you know, for, for, for other, other coaches to kind of hear. Um, I know there's, there's a technique called um, black dot, what, black dot white page and people use it differently. But I, you know, that was a, that was an example of where I kind of, I literally just held up the notepad that I was writing on and I'd, I'd drawn one little tiny, so it was a fool's cap page or A4 and had this one little black dot. And I, and I said, I'm struggling not to use her name. Um, <laughs> and I said, what am I showing you? And she said, a black dot. And I said, why did you say that? She said, because that's what's on the page. And I said, what's, what's 99.9% of what you can see? And she was like, a blank page. And I was like, well, why, why is it that, help me understand what is it about that one little tiny black dot that draws all of your attention to it? And, you know, just unpacking from that perspective, you know, this is someone who had, she was very successful in, in, in her business she was a good leader and she had a lot of really good feedback in, from people consistently about how good her leadership was. But then along comes a rumour, which is the black dot on the white page, and it's like she's drawn into it like a black hole. And just those, you know, those simple techniques that we learn sometimes can just really, they can be very powerful and it's just wonderful to see the reaction for people. Everyone listening, please take that simple technique and try it, apply it, give it a go. I love black dot on white page as a technique. So thank you for sharing that little gem, Wayne. I love it. Fantastic. All right, next one is the sliding doors question. <laughs> I have had a couple. Um, the and it was a it was a fun. It's fun reflecting. Um, with that ta- with that classic kind of like going back to the film and the sliding doors and and um, I was in 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 my last corporate role um, I was I was running um, running the APAC region for a um, a global uh, hearing aid company and and we were doing some pretty good business and and I've built a fantastic team around me and I I was based in Singapore and I kind of saw the next probably three or four years of my professional life continuing down that path. Um, And I had always wanted to have another chapter in my career after corporate life doing things like 
being a coach and being devoted to that rather than it being something I was kind of fitting in around other things, which I'd been doing for some time. And I walked into, I was in Copenhagen where our headquarters was and I walked into my, into my boss's office for a standard kind of catch up. And, and, and she said, we've decided to um, scale down the Asia pack investment. COVID times, all of those sorts of things, blah, blah. I mean, they were very kind. They offered me another role and whatever else, but I also had the opportunity to take a redundancy and, and, and walk away. So it was literally a sliding doors moment because I could have I could have taken the left turn. I had to go left or right. Left was a different role in the big company and, you know, staying corporate and all of that sort of stuff. And right was, is this the moment to actually step off that moving footway and walk all by myself off in a different direction um, without all of the support around me and all of the other things and, you know, the stuff that goes with it. Um, so classic sliding doors moment. And fairly obviously, since uh, you introduced me as the founder of this little little uh, business that I, that I have now, um, I, took the, I took the right turn. It's funny, I said the right turn. I took the correct turn and the right turn, I think. Um, so that was a big sliding doors moment, Emma. And, and I got to say, I, you know, I look back now and, and I know that, you know, if I'd have taken the other direction, I'd have been happy and things would have unfolded and everything else. But because of the decision that I took then and the path that I took, I'm not sure what one, hap one step up from happy is, but I just have so much joy in what I do now and I'm just so pleased that I got that fork in the road opportunity thrown to me. Another great little analogy you've thrown in there about, you know, when you're at the airport and you've got the moving the moving walkway and it's very easy to stay on the moving walkway versus, you know, a long yeah. flight and, and, you know, rather than walk your own path and interestingly turning right, tapping into the right creative side of the brain you know, which has a lot of fear around it. So everybody listening out there, when you're faced with that sliding doors moment, think about also, even though it's hard in the beginning or it's harder to take that that first step and, um, you're, you know, you've completed 10 marathons. Uh, so you're someone who does know how to take the first step. Encourage everybody out there when you're faced with that decision to really think about both sides and what's going to give you that that level of fulfilment that, I think especially these days, people in the workplace as well, they're looking to be connected to a higher purpose. And I think that's something that you that is flowing out of your your conversation is just being connected to something bigger than just working for that company. So uh, so thank you for sharing that. What about our guiding question, Wayne, in one to a maximum of three words? What do you think? It makes a great coach. My three words are um, curious, listen, care. And, and I think um, curiosity is a little bit of my obsession these days. I think that curiosity is, um, I, I literally believe that curiosity is kind of like the new superpower for, for leaders in, in business. But I think in the coaching world, if you are deeply curious and you care, those two deep values will drive all of the behaviours that will make everything else successful. You know, I, I really do believe, Emma, that, that whatever you do, you kind of have to 
you, you, you don't get good at it by working around the periphery and sticking band-aids on things and putting little bits of gold glitter here and there. And I think when you try and when you try and learn behaviours that aren't grounded to things that you deeply believe, you're kind of you're acting. You're going. You're you're trying to put things on, but it's not coming from the heart. And I think in coaching, you know, we we all. I'm sure everyone listening to this has has spent significant um, effort and time learning the skills of being a great coach. But if that's not grounded in a deep sense of curiosity and care for that person, then you're probably not going to, in the first instance, find the joy. And then we talked about that. And, and I always wonder then when you're starting to do it all day, every day, hopefully as a successful coach and a busy coach, you know, I think that every minute that we have with someone, our responsibility is to be as on as it's as if it was the most important coaching minute we've ever had. And if you are deeply curious and you deeply care, that will happen naturally. If you're somewhere off that, I'm not sure how it works. So what advice do you have for a coach who, who does care and they are naturally curious, but let's say they're exhausted and they've just, they're coaching back to back back to back, back to back, it's their seventh or eighth hour, you know, in that one day, whether teaching, sports coaching or even business coaching, and they're just uh, they're feeling a little bit like their reserve of being deeply curious and which takes a lot of conscious thought effort. Uh, what Any quick, quick tips around that for coaches out there? Let me come at this from a couple of different angles. One of them is incredibly superficial but I actually do it myself and I think it helps. And that is stick things on your wall. If you are going through a busy patch and celebrate going through busy patches because you, you wanted to become a coach to be busy being a coach. So that's to be celebrated, but it has its challenges as well. Like you say, especially when you're back to back, there's power in just putting visual reminders around us. So I'm looking at you now. If I look at the wall behind me, I have a visual reminder right now because it's a phase of, of, of my business. Um, but I, I think, you know, I'm curious and I care. Like that's or whatever your words are that kind of like helps like bring you back. And I think, I think there's a lot of power in kind of putting those cues around you and allowing yourself. It's kind of coaching yourself, isn't it, really? I think the other thing is, I think in your quiet moments, like not in the midst of it all, but in your quiet moments, I, I think it's really powerful to go back and think, think about who I am. You know, I, I choose to be not just a coach, but I choose to be a curious coach. I see myself as a curious person. I care about the people that I coach. I think how we um, validate and invest in those senses of who I am. You know, if, if you're who I am is I'm frantic and I'm busy and I'm trying to do like that's going to come out in your coaching. You know, coaching is a coaching is an incredibly vulnerable. It's it's an open space. You know, I do believe that stuff? I really believe you. In you choose, you choose who you want to be and how you want to be. And the more you choose that, the more that unfolds in your behaviours. 
Wayne, it's interesting a couple of times you've said, oh, this is a simple, might sound simplistic or it might sound like a, a simple tip, but for everybody listening out there, I think everything you've said is fantastic because it's almost like find a way that works for you listeners that taps into all the senses. So having having something on the wall is a visual reminder of your identity. Maybe it's something on your phone or maybe it's a little tagline that works for you auditorily. Whatever it is, find what works for you and have those reminders around your identity to help you be present. And, yes, these are simple but not many people execute them. You might be listening to this podcast go, oh, that's a really good idea. Mm, I'll think about it. I just really encourage everybody to take action as I always do on this on this show. So uh, appreciate it. All right, our last official question, Wayne, is where we ask you to ask us a question. So what sparks your curiosity? What- when I meet other coaches, the first thing that I always ask is, um, tell me about the joy that you find in doing this. And, and I ask that not specifically to learn, but to share what I think is the most special part of being a coach. So I love to hear other people telling me about how they find joy in this and see the smile on their faces as well as they kind of talk about the things that, that you know, give them, you know, the, their best feelings in doing this, you know, admirable profession. And that gives me joy. So, and I, I love hearing that stuff. And I guess it taps back into the thing we we're talking about last in, in the last question, Emma, because um, I think hearing other people, and particularly people who've been a professional coach for a longer time, who, and, and people who I really rate, when they talk about their joy, um, that kind of val- it feeds into that validating part of me that's kind of saying, you know, about the joy that I find in this and why this is so special. So there's that piece. Of, and then and the, the, the other piece that I'm always just, I, I have been eternally curious through my time in business and now, now my time, you know, coaching and, and working with people about this thing called human behaviour. I just find us humans just such damn fascinating predictable and unpredictable characters and you know again you know we, we spend so much time coaching helping people identify paths that they probably already know commit to things that in most many instances they've already thought of and already been through some loop of going I'm going to do it but then don't like, and we work with them and often incredibly intelligent and successful people. And all we're doing is getting them to commit to choices that they already knew they were going to make, but they don't do. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that fascinating with human behavior? When you say, what am I deeply curious about? The human behavior in particular around change resistance is something that I am eternally fascinated about. 
All right. Well, we have to go there. We have to go there immediately. <laughs> All right. What's what? What's one of your top tips? What's one of your go to? You've done a coaching session. Somebody's committed to an to an action. You know that that's going to unleash their potential, and they haven't done it. And maybe it's the second session they still haven't done it. So maybe two sessions in a row, it's not getting done. Same as a sports coach. People, oh yeah, I'll work on my my ball toss at you know between sessions, and they don't do it. What's your go-to, one or two little tips around that for coaches out there? Sure. Um, I, I, have, I have two pieces of this puzzle. One of them, because I, I believe that everyone has motivation to move toward and everyone has mo- motivation to move away. And, and I, want to, I want to try and maximise the combination of someone's go toward and move away. So um, the first thing I'll do is, is always ask them to describe what's life going to be like when they do whatever it is that they haven't done. And, and I generally kind of get a bit of a kind of um, light answer. And it's like, no, 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 no. Come on, this, you, you're paying me to help you do this. Like, why is this so important? And so we get a little bit more and then we get a little bit more. Oh, come on, you, tell me about it. You describe not it would be, how do you feel when when we're like that, when this is happening? And then we want to condense that down to kind of two or three really key words. And, you know, sometimes I'll use the technique, you know, if, if, if 10 is this is the most important thing in my life now, then, you know, how important is is this one for you? Um, so sometimes I go there, sometimes, some, sometimes I have clients that I think that style doesn't particularly work, but I really want them to sit in that visioning space. I want them to sit in that and I want them to, you know, I would never add a word. It's got to all come from them. So we're really kind of grinding those gears and they're painting that vision and I'm validating that vision. So that's that's amping up their go-to. Then it's like, so what are we trying to get away from? What is it about the current state that doesn't work from, for you? Where's your pain now? How big is that pain? What, is, what does that, what are the manifestations of that? What are the flow on effects of that? All right, so, and again, all I'm just doing using curiosity to kind of unpack and get them to go there and use those words. Like, and how does that make you feel? What do you, I'm intentionally not speaking. So it's kind of like, bring it out, you know, speak more. And then takes us to a, an, a combination of emotion, emotion and fact around the pain of now and a combination of emotion and fact around the, the where to and how important is all of this. So that's a big part of how I structure that. And this, what I just described could be an hour. And it's interesting when I ask those types of questions, how easily people can list the uh, the away from, you know, the pain points. People can go boom, 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 boom. But they don't always allow themselves to go into the real vision. As you said, they often give you a simplistic response to the move towards something. So I love that you use a combination of both. Uh, and I, yeah, I'm curious about 
sometimes also what we start with, whether we go away from first or towards first, because as as you say, it's different for different people and what different techniques work for different people. And and thank you also for bringing up the, the power of scaling questions, because when we ask that scaling question, then we go, oh, no wonder you didn't take action. It's only five out of 10 or whatever it might be. And that, that opens up a whole a whole other conversation. So, uh, so thank you for sharing. You talk about uh, in your work this concept of helping leaders develop curiosity and also about how they can help. Um, I want to talk about imposter syndrome is where I'm going, but how you can help minimise that uh, by going out of their way to demonstrate the belief in the young leaders. So I want to talk about that for a minute so many coaches are leaders out there leading their teams yes. or in the, in the sports world you're you're leading your athletes so why do they why do they not believe in themselves and how can leaders help develop belief in uh in the people they're working with yeah it's a it's it's such an important topic isn't it isn't it, emma because i think you know when we talk to people who really suffer from imposter syndrome it, it's debilitating you know so for some people it's it you know it it gnaws at their ankle and and for some for some people it it literally becomes consuming and you know I, I know of people who've literally kind of tagged out of the whole thing just going I can't do this you know I'm just not I'm just not up to it and I and it causes me so much distress that I don't want to do it at all and and that's horrific and you know I talk about you know, you've heard me say a few times, kind of finding the joy in being a leader, and 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 I think it's I think it's a really important um, responsibility of a coach or a boss to help the people that they work with find joy in whatever it is that they do. Um, I happen to predominantly coach senior leaders, so I want them to find joy in in what they do as being a senior leader is there's a lot of pressure in being a senior leader. There's a lot of pressure in being an elite sports um, athlete. And, and if, if, you don't, if you don't have a focus on the joy, then the pressure become it's the same thing. It's like the, the seesaw goes all of that way. So you can say, try not to feel stressed. Well, you know, if, you, if you're an elite athlete and, and you know, you're going out for a, for a game or an event or something that, that, you know, the season depends on that. Try not to feel stressed. Oh, wonderful advice. Let me write that down, you know, like, but that's actually a useless comment. So, so what I think is significantly more powerful is to help people, people find the joy in what they do. You know, if you, you, you're going to sign off on an investment decision of a hundred million dollars, how can you not be stressed at that? But if you think about what that's going to potentiate doing in the organization, it's going to create jobs for all of these people. It's going to, um, you know, take the organization to the next step. There's so many people who are kind of going to believe more in the organization because of it, all of those sorts of things. That's what we get to bring. You know, it's kind of just like as coaches, what do we get to bring? So I, I believe that, that we, we could always spend a little bit more time and effort thinking about how do I help people find the joy in what they do. The other piece with imposter syndrome that I think is so important and it's just such a little thing. I think so often, you know, when I speak to senior leaders and say, how do you deal with imposter syndrome, you know, amongst 
you know, junior leaders in your organisation and people who are, especially people who are rising the ladder quickly, they say, oh, if they come along, then, you know, I, I really talk to them. It's like, why do you start with if they come along? What if you think it's highly likely that every junior leader and especially people who are climbing the ladder quite quickly will have some level of imposter syndrome? So don't wait for them to come along because they don't want to. They think that's a sign of weakness. They want you to think, how good am I? I'm strong. I can cope with all of this, whatever it might be. Assume that inside they're fighting that battle. Go in there periodically, especially if they've like just had to do you know, some new thing or just had to present to some important thing or that's coming along. Just close the door and go, I know you haven't done this before. I know that was your first time or whatever it is, but I really want you to know you're the person I believe in to do this job. And that that simple little message can be so incredibly powerful. It's not an email. It's a it's an in-person or a, you know, a call out of the blue type of thing. Just a, a sincere and short message periodically placed. But be proactive. Don't wait for them. Mm. Wonderful. And the flow-on effect, of course, of that, is an, an engaged employee. Your business is in called engaged for performance. What What's your definition of an engaged employee? Wow. <laughs> um, I'm deeply committed to this whole sense of, of creating employee engagement. I'll come back to the definition. You know, I talk about leaders having responsibility. I think there's a lot of leaders who believe their responsibility is to deliver the numbers for the company. And that is in the that is in the basket of things they are responsible for. But they're also responsible for the lives and livelihoods of the people who work for them. Lives and livelihoods. I think it is a an abrogation of duty to run an organization and have a culture where people don't find a sense of purpose, who don't um, who don't have a sense of what they do is appreciated and matters in the greater sense. And, you know, the Gallup, the, the Gallup survey that's done every year that, that measures engagement and disengagement, the 2022 Gallup survey came back and said 85% of, of employees are disengaged. That's, that's not a problem, Emma, that's a crisis. And... And it's got significantly worse in the post-COVID era. You know, we suddenly, you know, went to um, we went to virtual um, working styles and 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 all of these other sorts of things, and we kind of we made it work, but it's pushed disengagement to an extraordinary level. And disengagement is that's you ask what is engagement, what is disengagement? I mean, in, engaged firstly says I care about what I do, I believe in what I do. And I bring enthusiasm and energy to what I do. I think that's kind of, that's where, in, that's what engagement looks like. Disengagement is people turning up. And, you know, for, for any of us that have ever had the experience of being on a, on a group um, virtual call with a meeting and look at a whole bunch of little tiles of people basically staring blankly at their screen while someone presents something. That's disengagement. And get getting to the end and say, does anyone have any questions? 
and no one says anything because the environment is disastrous for someone asking a question. If they do ask a question, suddenly all eyes are on them and it's like, well, we've only got 30 seconds because the next meeting starts and whatever else. And people just learn not to have any questions. When people learn not to have any questions, you know, questions come from curiosity and care. So if you say, I'm going to create an environment where I don't really want any questions, what happens? People learn not to be curious and not to care. Welcome disengagement. But what sort of a life is that? It really resonates around how important this topic is, like how please coaches out there, what can you do today just to ignite your deep curiosity? How can you go even deeper on the questions and how can you invite, like I've got all these, you know, when I used to run my girl power squads um, where they, they got a bonus point if they asked the coach a question which was completely foreign. But what little things can you do? How can you reward deep curiosity uh, in, in this next generation? So everybody listening out there. And finally, the last uh, question I want to ask, Wayne, I heard you on another podcast and you spoke about the, the shadow leader. And I really loved what you had to say. It's the reason you're on the podcast. It was a couple of things there, but that was one of the gold nuggets that really stuck out for me. Could you share what you mean by that? Yeah, of course. The concept is imagine that it's like five o'clock in the afternoon and you're outside. I'm old school, so I'm six foot tall. I am always six foot tall. That's how tall I am. But it's five o'clock in the afternoon and I look at my shadow and my shadow is 10 feet tall. And 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 the the simple i guess metaphor is is a reminder for leaders that your leadership shadow is a a version of yourself that is kind of like zoomed bigger people throughout the organization notice you zoomed bigger they notice your expressions during a meeting they notice when there's a break in the meeting, you know, if you if you walk out and, and mutter something under your breath or, you know, you you are a bit rude to the receptionist or like all of those things that you sort of think are your not on behaviours, first of all, you're always on as a leader. And secondly, everyone's looking at your magnified shadow, not just your you. When we think about how we want to be seen as a leader and, and concepts like emotional intelligence and so on, and we have self-awareness and awareness of others, all of that sort of stuff, we need to have a realistic perspective on how others see us on Zoom and what it therefore sets a standard of behaviour for us as leaders. That is significantly a higher bar, a higher standard than that that applies for everyone else. And people will sometimes say to me, but that's not really fair. And, and my response is, if you think it's not fair, maybe you shouldn't really be a leader because it's not about fairness. It's just life. Everyone cares what the boss thinks. And everyone's watching for those little signals that might mean the boss is not happy camper or annoyed by something or whatever it might be you're always on and and you're always on zoom 
And that's one of the most important reasons why having that deep curiosity as a leader, as a coach, and even the the leader asking questions in a coaching session and in a, and in a meeting uh, can then just this that alone can cascade uh, a shadow to, for others to to follow and for that behaviour to be rewarded at the end of the day. So. Wayne, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and, and getting to know you and uh, may you continue to uh, engage for performance. Uh, we appreciate you and thank you so much for being on the coaching podcast. Thank you so much, Emma. It's been an absolute delight and I, I love the work you're doing with um, the coaching podcast and I wish you every success going forward. Absolute joy to, to work with you today. All right. Thank you, all you coaches out there and keep being curious. And if you'd like to expand your coaching skills, the next Leader is Coach course is on March 3rd and 10th at 11 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. It's three hours for each session and we'll be taking your coaching skills to the next level. For more information, send me an email info at emmadoyle.com.au. Enjoy your coaching. The Coaching Podcast is sponsored by Transition Coach for Athletes, a global coaching, mentoring and US placement service. The service helps athletes navigate the often challenging world of choosing your best college fitness performance. Visit www.transitioncoachforathletes.com. That's the number four.